Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode three of the Crease Dive presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool. Joined alongside me, as always, is Robbie O. Rob, what is the good word? Fly, Eagles, fly, Jordy. What is going on? How are you feeling? I got to be honest. This is literally the greatest week of my life uh so for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time i am a philly guy four for four philly fan and for the first time in the history of my life for the first time in the history of anybody's life the philadelphia eagles are super bowl champions and holy shit was sunday night i mean what a what a what a fucking rager that was I mean, that was just an all-around great game, despite who you're rooting for. I told you, I'm a Giants fan. We hate the Eagles. Dude, I was pulling for you. I was pulling for the whole city of Philly. I, I seeing, those, seeing them through the streets, you know, there's, they're talking about, oh, they're riots. No, they're celebrating. This has never happened before. Go fucking crazy. Dude, that's the thing. I mean, Giants fans, you guys have your rings. Patriots fans, you guys have your rings. Cowboys fans, Steelers fans, I hate you guys, but, like, you guys have your rings. Like, we have people who have been waiting their entire lifetimes for this moment. So yeah, when it finally happens, we're going to go a little nuts tomorrow, which I mean, I guess if this podcast is coming out on Friday is technically for everybody listening yesterday is going to be the parade. And I mean, they're expecting damn near at least 3 million people to be coming into the city of Philadelphia on Thursday. And every single one of those people are going to be having themselves today. Like I said before, I'm just very happy for the city of Philly. I'm all over social media. People are getting tattoos. You got Big Dick Nick. You got the infamous play call. This is this is a big week for Philadelphia. So I'm happy for you. You're having a day. You're feeling yourself. You had a big week leading up to it, defending the Rocky statue. So it was the icing on the cake. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just... It's it's a surreal moment right now for me as Eagles as an Eagle fan, and I, this is quite possibly the greatest week of my life. And what makes this week even better is that lacrosse season is now in full swing. College lacrosse, I technically season opened up last week. We had Vermont versus Furman. You know, we had a few games last weekend, but. You know, with the Super Bowl going on, you know, and especially for me, you know, being an Eagles fan and having a team in the Super Bowl, I didn't really get the chance to watch too much lacrosse last weekend. But, you know, this weekend, I mean, we have some big rivalry games going on already. We got a lot of lot of crosstown rivalries going on this weekend. So, you know, now that the Super Bowl is out of the way, it is officially NCAA lacrosse season and like i said even though we didn't really pay too much attention to college lacrosse last weekend with opening weekend of the season with the super bowl overshadowing it you know we still had a lot of great lacrosse that was played starting off with rabia what are your thoughts on that vermont Furman game because the catamounts are looking hot they are looking hot and we talked about it last episode vermont Furman is an underrated rivalry and you know who is the highlight of there Ian McKay, dude. 
We need to watch. We said it last episode. We need to watch out for this kid for the rest of the season. He missed all of last year with an injury. So this is his fifth year using his year of eligibility. Was the American East player of the year in 2016. He's a he's not small. This kid is a fucking presence. He's a Canadian lefty. You and I are both lefties, so we can attest to, you know, not putting it into our right hand. He had an absolute massive game, four goals returning off of an injury season. You love to see that, whether it be lacrosse, tennis, football, any athlete that comes back from an injury, the amount of rehab that they put into going in it, to see a comeback like that on the first game, uh, that's that that's awesome. You know, I think Vermont, the Catamounts are, are a team that's going to be sneaky to watch. You know, we talk about how there's the top 20, top 25, top 30. And then there's kind of this drop off in Division One lacrosse talent wise. And I'm not saying that, you know, upsets can't happen, but but there is a drop off. And Vermont is going to be one of these teams this year that they're in the American East. You know, you and I both know our boys from Albany. They have to play against them. So this could be a team that's going to have some potential upsets. So you never know. And a fun fact about Vermont is they don't have a single right-handed pull. Dude, I mean, any team that is heavy, heavy lefty is a team that is good to go in my book. And, you know, like I don't really find myself watching too much Vermont lacrosse. Uh, you know, like I said before, you know, there are those that – upper echelon of teams that you know are must watch every time that they're on and you know vermont just hasn't quite been there yet but i mean if you got a kid like ian mckay who's putting on clinics every single day like he did against Furman, you're gonna have to tune in and you know he kind of slowed down a little bit his pace against uh so they played mercer last weekend they ended up getting an 11-3 win against mercer he only put up one goal on nine shots against them but you know mercer I don't want to disrespect Mercer too much, but I know, you know, you kind of see some of those teams on your schedule and you think to yourself, you know, this is more or less just going to be, you know, I don't want to say a practice game for me, but I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to go fully torqued into this game. So still put up nine shots though. Just shows me that this kid loves to put them on cage. And speaking of guys who had a big time start to their season, Let's talk about the Duke Blue Devils and Justin Gutterding pretty much putting himself in the Tawarton race on week one. Three goals, seven assists in Duke's 18-4 to molly whopping against Air Force. Absolute molly whopping. And I'll be honest, when we were giving our predictions uh, last episode, I thought Duke, you know, being the number one team in the country, they were going to have that little curse. There was no curse. The curse is on the people who did not put Gutterding on the watch list. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I was like. I, I mean, if if I'm, you know, I'm kind of I would consider myself a, a conspiracy guy here. I almost think that Donowski made sure that Justin Gutterding wasn't on that player of the year watch list just to piss him off, just to make sure that he puts up a 10 spot every single game that he plays in this year. I mean, the fire that's lit under that kid's ass and, you know, you don't need to light a fire under his ass for him to put up, you know, five, six, seven points in a game, but you know, you still got to get him going to put up 10 in the opening game of the season and now Duke is just, I mean, 
we we said it before. We'll say it again. This is this is a year where offenses are going to have to blow each other out of the water every single game. It these games are going to be high scoring all year with the amount of just elite attackmen in the in the in the country this year. And Justin Gutterding's now leading the show. I mean, he's ten points in one game. You do the math. Yeah. I mean, he put on an absolute clinic against an Air Force team who it, who was depleted with uh, the roster size. But, I mean, this was a Duke Blue Devil team that could have easily put up 25 goals. They were mixing and matching, attacking middies, running three lines. It was it was like they were practicing. No disrespect to Air Force, but uh, that, that, that was an absolute clinic guttering in the Blue Devils put on. Uh, on to Villanova. Penn State, that overtime thriller. What what were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, so I I mean I think that this uh you know this was probably one of the more exciting games of the weekend. I mean Vermont impresses us so far. Duke obviously showed what they're all about. Um, but you know both of those games were kind of more or less blowouts. This Villanova Penn State game, I mean Villanova just being able to kind of come back there in the fourth quarter, and you know I, this is a Penn State team. I mean a Penn State team that I've had high hopes for, you know, coming into the season. I had high hopes for them last year in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, you know, tough, tough break for the Nittany Lions with Grant Ament going down with uh, what I think is a broken foot. So, I mean, that that's really going to kind of put a, you know, a little bit of a hamper on your offense. But even without Ament, they still found a way to put up 16 goals on a on – a, very good Villanova team who are, you know, a lot of people have Villanova as one of their, you know, trendy, you know, teams who are going to make some noise this year kind of pick. So, I mean, this isn't, this isn't necessarily a Villanova team that we're, you know, used to watching, you know, over the last few years. I mean, this is a Villanova team who, you know, if, if you're not coming at them with your best stuff, they're going to knock you off. And, you know, so I, I think Penn state put up, you know, great numbers against a very good defense, even without one of their best attackmen. But shout out to the Wildcats for getting themselves that big, you know, in-state rivalry win against Penn State in overtime. That is that that was a big win for Villanova. Congratulations, fought back, include just putting, you know, he, that that kid's another one who's just battled through injury, battled through injury. That Maryland native, you know, hitting that OT winner, you know, what what a feeling that that must be. Um, but no, that that is a huge blow to the. I mean, yeah, they have weapons. Uh, all across offense. I think Penn State's one of the most high-powered offense across the board in the country. But, dude, losing Grant Amant, I think I think personally, you can argue with me, but Grant Amant is their best offensive player on the team. Like, yeah, Mac O'Keefe or whatever with numbers. No, no, no. He, he's going to be out for a while with, with this injury. It's not good. And even, and even when he comes back, I mean, even coming back with, you know, the type of attackman that he is, I mean, he's so quick, he's so shifty, he's so good on that first step. I mean, you put him behind an X, and if you're a defenseman guarding him, you know that you're going to the trainer for, you know, every single day for the rest of the season getting your ankles taped up. So when he's coming back off of a broken foot, I mean, he's going to be out there, but, you know, we, we kind of saw it, you know, a little bit with, with Ryder Garnsey last year. I mean, here's a kid who's just slick as could be, you know, the some of the finest silk that was ever created. That's how smooth these guys are. But you see, you know, you, you get those foot injuries, and it kind of messes with the type of player that they can be. And, I mean, Garnsey, even, you know, with a boot, is still, you know, a, a top-level attackman. 
but it's just going to kind of slow him down a little bit. So that's going to be something to look out for for the Nittany Lions as the season goes on. But even so, I mean, you, you mentioned it before. You you got a kid like Mac O'Keefe who's able to just catch and finish from wherever. So it's, you know, you, you don't really need a meant to snap so many ankles as long as he can kind of fit a ball through the window there to O'Keefe in the right in the crease he's going to be able to finish so i mean penn state I, they'll be fine they'll be able to bounce back but that's a huge win for villanova it definitely is some sort of momentum that they'll be able to ride out here early in the season uh, and then the other overtime game of this weekend was uh bu over providence 12 11 but you know with the philadelphia eagles playing against the patriots in the super bowl last weekend i didn't want to watch a single thing that had to do with new england especially not a single thing that had to do with the city of boston so you know i didn't tune into that game and you know so we're not going to really talk about it that much with the with the eagles taking down the pats in the super bowl this week we'll talk about bu we'll talk about providence as the season goes on just not right now so you know with all those big games being wrapped up from last weekend Let's talk about what we got in store for this week because we've got a ton of top 20 teams in action this week. And headlining it right off the bat, the reigning champs, the Maryland Terps, they're going to be getting their season going up against Navy. Robbie O, what do you got on this game? You know, Navy is coming off of a huge loss against Jacksonville. Like, no one saw that coming. But like you said, that is a game that, you know, I didn't tune into and I didn't pay my respects to the Jacksonville Dolphins or whatever they're called, but they upset the midshipmen. And so Navy is now going to play the reigning champs, Maryland, without their starting Fogo, who is out indefinitely for the rest of the season. It was uh sources say it was an academic issue. So losing your best Fogo, we we know how important faceoffs are in lacrosse. Every everyone who's listening to this and plays across know how important possession times is. We were talking of how much of an impact a kid like Trevor Baptiste can play on a game with possession time. Losing your starting faceoff kid is not is not good. Yeah, and I mean maybe you know, at least the last few years, they've uh, you know, they've been kind of making the habit of of going down in their opening game of the season. But to see them drop to Jacksonville, I mean, Jacksonville's got a, a nice little uh, a nice little program building down there. They've got some great coaches down there. Um, but you know, that's just it's not a score that you're used to seeing. We're not used to seeing in the lacrosse world yet. Navy losing to Jacksonville. I mean, maybe that'll be something that becomes a norm you know, as the years go by, but at least not now. So that was a surprise. And, you know, we, we've said this before. I mean, this Maryland lacrosse team, obviously they lost a huge senior class, probably I'd say one of the best classes of lacrosse that lacrosse has seen, you know, in the history of college lacrosse. I mean, you've got, you've got kids who have been to the final four, all four years, been to the national championship three years in a row. I mean, th this is a team that lost, you know, just just an epic senior class, but it's still Maryland lacrosse, and they still get top recruit after top recruit. I mean, they're still going to put together a great team this year. So with a Navy team who looks like they're, you know, maybe that's not off to a great start, a Navy team that's probably not feeling too confident in themselves, now having to go up against the reigning champs who are, you know, they're coming out here looking to make a statement. They're coming out here. They're looking to show the rest of the country that like, yo, listen, we lost Rambo. We lost Heacock. 
go fuck yourselves because we're still Maryland and we're still going to run the show around here. So I, Maryland, it's got more to prove in this game than almost anybody. So I, you know, I, I think that's, that's going to be a, a, a big win for Maryland this weekend. And I think that, you know, that they're going to keep that one rolling. Yeah. I mean, just looking at Maryland versus Navy over the past six years, Maryland's six and zero against Navy. So, I mean, that, that obviously says something. Tillman has their number. You got, Connor Kelly, who is just an absolute stud coming back in the midfield. You got this kid, Jared Bernhardt, sophomore from Florida, who I think is going to make a really, really big impact. Like you said, with all those seniors le- seniors leading, younger kids going to have to step up. So Jared Bernhardt is going to be a kid that I think is going to be on a lot of people's radar this year. Well, now, hold up, hold up, hold up. because All right, so Maryland last six years, 6-0 and against Navy? Correct. Does that raise the question – does Maryland hate the troops? Wow. That seems a little fucked up to me that they're because, you know, by all accounts, Saturday is going to be seven in a row for Maryland. So they're going to beat the Naval Academy seven years in a row without giving them one win while these guys are putting their lives on the line for our country. The amount of training that these kids do during the preseason, you have the rats, you have the grinding you have to fold your own bed in the corners and then you're not even going to give them seven in a row. You have to bring the food to your eye level and chew. Dude, breaking news. Maryland hates the troops and should the NCAA give them the death penalty more on that next week. But yeah, Maryland's definitely going to win this game this weekend. Uh, Staying in the state of Maryland where I guess I'm not too good with my Maryland geography. I don't know if we're going north, south, east, or west here, but we are going to Hopkins versus Towson. Uh, Towson, an, another team kind of like Maryland who, who has a lot to prove this year. That you know They got to kind of show that getting into the Final Four last year wasn't just a fluke, uh, you know, and, you know, they've, they're going up against their crosstown rival in Johns Hopkins who, you know, this is a team – I'll say it before, I'll say it again, I'll say it a million, kabillion more times. College lacrosse is better when Johns Hopkins is at their best. I know that there are Hopkins haters out there. There's probably more Hopkins haters than there are supporters. Hopkins is a team that, you know, if you're not, like everybody just loves to hate but this, the college lacrosse season is just so much better when there's a good Hopkins team who's kind of just running through teams. It gives people who, who like Hopkins, you know, who enjoy watching the Blue Jays play, that gives them something nice to watch. And it also just feeds and fuels the fire of the hatred for everybody who's anti-Hopkins. So, you know, I, I, I love Towson. I love what they did last year. I think that they're a super swaggy team. We talked about it last weekend with our uniform breakdowns. I mean, this is a, just – they're very sexually appealing on the lacrosse field. But I need Hopkins to just come out this year and just put on a show. And, and, and we saw them come out last year with a huge, huge opening game. Alluded to it earlier, talking about Navy going down uh, in, in their opening games. But Hopkins versus Navy last year, that was their first game of the season. We saw Joel Tinney with the, with the, uh, with the fake flip goal. I mean, this is a Hopkins team that has the capability of coming out with a ton of swagger, 
and just really looking to put teams away, you know, disrespectfully. And I think that that's what I really love about this Hopkins team is how disrespectful they can get. What are your thoughts on this, Robbie? Uh, fuck Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck Hopkins. I I cannot stand them. And I am all for the Towson Tigers. I look at it as a blue collar versus white collar matchup. Last two years, Towson has had Petro's number. Um, but now now we're going back to Homewood, going back to Hopkins. It's gonna it's supposed to be a cold one. And this is a this is a Towson team that lost a lot of offensive players. So if I'm Hopkins, I would much rather play them early in the year than later with all these matchups, but these are two teams that cannot fucking stand each other. They, they hate each other. Like I think of whenever I think of Hopkins, I just think of Petro screaming on the sideline, just yelling at the refs 24 seven. I think of the Stanwicks slicking back their hair, putting on their, their lids, like pounding in their traditional mesh. I fucking hate Hopkins. If you can't tell. Yeah. And, uh, and, and here's the hoping that there's a, 40 goals scored in this game. So then that way we get to hear the Hopkins band play as many times as possible. Because if you are a Hopkins hater, nothing triggers you quite like the Hopkins pep rally band. I'm it is. I've never, I've never seen more people get so pissed off at anything on lax Twitter more than people hate the Hopkins band. And, but like I said, like the, the game of college lacrosse needs Hopkins to college lacrosse is essentially what Duke is to college basketball. If Duke's not, if Duke's not playing in March madness, I mean like who are people going to hate, you know? So you need, you need Hopkins there just, you know, even if it's just for people to hate, I, I think that they, they bring that to the table. So, I, I do kind of like what you say though there with the blue collar versus white collar and as a Philly guy you you might have almost convinced me there to start rooting for Towson in this one the the blue collar vibe really really speaks to me but still I I need Hopkins to to kind of pop off here and get disrespectful with it and uh, so let's uh let let's just get out of the state of Maryland real quick let's uh let's hop on a flight let's head out west a little bit we've got Denver versus Air Force. We talked about Air Force just getting their dicks kicked in earlier by Duke, uh, you know, and this is just another. I mean, whoever s- scheduled their season for them should also get suspended with the players who can't play right now <laughs> because they really fucked them over with this one schedule and Duke and then Denver right in the early season. I mean, that's that's a brutal, brutal task to handle for for Air Force. Uh, so, I mean, the, the line on this game, courtesy of Lax Vegas lines, is nine for Denver. And, I mean, I I, I don't – I kind of think that that's being very polite to Air Force. That is – that's a fat line, one. Uh, two, I think Air Force is going to get stomped again, right? They have to. When you're playing against Denver, like you have to realize that you're probably only going to have the ball about, you know, like 20% of the game cuz, you know, 75% of the game Denver's going to have the ball thanks to Trevor Baptiste winning every single faceoff. You know, 5% of the game the ball might be on the ground. So, you know, when you only have that limited possession, you need to have guys on your offense who are able to make the most out of those opportunities. And when you put up a grand total 
of four goals against Duke, that kind of shows me that you don't really have that offensive firepower. So, I mean, with, with Denver having the ball the entire game, plus having guys who are able to stick it in the back of the net, and Air Force just not having that offensive power, I mean, Air Force is in for a long-ass day. And, you know, we'll, we'll get more into this when we're talking about picks later in the show, but, you know, that that's the biggest uh, – I think that's the biggest line on the board this week is Denver minus nine against Air Force. And, you know, that's the, – again, that's being polite to Air Force because I could see this being a double-digit win for sure. Coach Tierney is one of those coaches that is I, – I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. No doubt about it. Hall of Famer. You, I don't think anyone can argue that. I remember being a little lax rat going to watch Princeton lacrosse. I had my stick ready for everyone to sign. And that dude was just fucking put him in the final four, final four after final four. So Shout out to Ryan Boyle. Shout out to Ryan Boyle, Princeton legend. But, I mean, all right, so we've talked about Denver. We've talked about, you know, tre- I mean – Everyone is talking about Trevor Baptiste. This is Inside Lacrosse made their cover. This isn't 2018. This is the year of Trevor Baptiste. So obviously you're going to get the ball a lot, but you're losing Canizaro. Who, who Who's going to step up? You got that kid, Ethan Walker, the sophomore from Culver. He's uh, I believe he's another Canadian. He's He put up a really big freshman campaign, so I can kind of see him putting the team on his back from an offensive standpoint. But uh, we, we talk about how this season is going to be very, very – high power in offense and scoring across the league. I don't think you can argue that, but this is also going to be another season of, I feel like we lost a lot of big seniors last year. So it's also going to be another season of who steps up moving on to Loyola versus Virginia. Your thoughts on this game. I think this is one of the most interesting games on the slate this, this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I I've said this about Virginia before and I'll say this about Virginia again. It's, I mean, this is a program that they are just falling and falling and falling to the bottom of the ACC. I mean, they've just been getting worked in that conference for years now, which is just terrible to see after, you know, how dominant they've been for so long. You know, we've seen the national championships from Virginia, and it seems like every single time that a new recruiting issue comes out of inside lacrosse, they're always getting the top guy they just haven't really been able to put it together for a full season so far. And, you know, they've just been getting worked in the ACC. So this is, you know, we, we've said it for a lot of teams so far this season. We're going to say for Virginia, I mean, this is a team who has a ton to prove this year. I mean, are they going to be able to bounce back or is this program more or less dead? I mean, they're, they're still, you know, a, a top tier program in the country, but They've kind of been faltering around, you know, they've been around 500 for the last few years here. I mean, at least the last couple of years they've been, they've been 500. So, you know, for Loyola or for Loyola, I mean, this is, this seems like a prime opportunity to come in here and kind of just kind of put a dagger in Virginia right away. Uh, so, I mean, this is, you know, this is a game that opened up the season for, le- for these two teams last year. Uh, Virginia was able to get that 16 to 15 win. That was a, that was a pretty good thriller to open up the year for both of those guys last year. Um, but I see Loyola kind of, I mean, Loyola is going to come in here. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be looking to put in that dagger and I see them returning the favor this year. 
No, I like that. I got Loyola winning this too. And and the thing about Virginia, yeah, I don't think they're dead, but they've been around the 500 uh, for the past couple of years. They're just such, such a fucking wild card. Like, like they'll pull off these crazy games, crazy upsets, and then lose to some of the shittiest teams in the country. I, I don't understand them. But uh, with Virginia, Krause is going to have his hands full. He is, you know, losing Zed. He's going to be their top returner. But you're talking about, dude, inside lacrosse is always putting out, yeah, every time I see a, uh, an inside lacrosse uh, cover, it has one of those Virginia kids from Maryland who's got his number one jersey on because he was a top five inside lacrosse recruit in the country. And that kid is Conrad, who he was the number one recruit in the class of 2015 for inside lacrosse. And honestly he's been average like you're gonna have to step up kid like you're you're not a fucking freshman anymore same with doc akins he's a philly bull you know he's from he's from your area he was a 2016 top inside recruit so for me it's time to put up or shut up with these kids i think virginia needs to step up i wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of their year but i also wouldn't be surprised like you said if if this is the demise of virginia lacrosse you know, but it it is the one thing I'll say for Virginia is that it is the second year of Lars Tiffany. Now he came in there last year, taking over for Dom Starja, an absolute legendary coach. Um, so you know that's definitely not a an easy thing to do, and it's definitely not an easy thing for any coach to come in and have a, you know a ton of success in their first season. It would have been nice to kind of see Virginia kind of put on a little bit more there in the end, you know, finishing the year eight and seven for them. I, I kind of would have liked to see Tiffany come in there and make a little bit more of an impact right off the way. I don't need them to win a national championship the first year, but with this being Tiffany's second year, kind of having more of, you know, establishing his culture with this team. Um, you know, I, I think that that's kind of something that, you know, Virginia was almost lacking the last few years. And, you know, I don't want to say that as any disrespect to Dom Starship, but I think, you know, you have the same coach in in with the team for, for so long. Eventually things just kind of, you know, they don't get lazy, but things get tired after a while. So you need to bring in new blood. And, you know, I think with Tiffany kind of taking over, you know, make him, you know, more of an effort to make sure that all of his players are, you know, just physically in shape and, and mentally, you know, there. Um, so I, I do think, what you said, yeah, you know, it could be Virginia's year to finally turn this around. I just don't know if I see it happening opening weekend because I do think that Loyola is going to be the better team here. So those are going to be, you know, the the top four games for you guys to watch this uh, this weekend. There are going to be, you know, if I can count them up correctly here, I'm not uh, I'm not exactly great on counting, but there's at least you know, like 15 to 20 games of college across being played somewhere in the country this weekend. But those are going to be the top four to look out for the, the best, you know, top 20 teams that are out there on the field. Uh, and Hopkins Towson, that's going to be an ESPN U game uh, that Duke Jacksonville game, which uh, we didn't quite discuss. That's going to be somewhere streaming on ESPN. The rest of them, you're just going to have to find some links online because, well, cable companies hate lacrosse, so fuck them. Uh, but yeah, so moving on. So those are the games to watch this weekend. Let's just uh, let, let's hand out our first award of the season. Now, this is going to be a recurring award week after week. 
Um, you know, we're going to start adding more awards to the list, but we've only got one that we're working with so far. Uh, feel free to hit us up with any suggestions on Twitter for more segments that you guys would like to hear, more awards that you would like to be handed out. Uh, but the first inaugural award for the crease dive is going to be our big dick baller of the week. And uh, you know what, Rabio? How about you? Uh, how about you do the honors here and hand this out? The first ever big dick baller of the week. Who's it going to? This award is going to the Justin Gutterding out of the Duke University for putting on an absolute clinic against Air Force. Three goals, seven assists. Congratulations, Justin Gutterding. You know, us at the Crease Dive, we're big fans of you. We hope you keep this up. Listen, man, if you're putting up 10 points in a game, you know for a fact that you're not wearing a cup because it's not fitting in there. So Justin Gutterding, big dick baller of the week. Uh, and then actually... Let's uh let's hand out a, another award, a little variation of this award. So this is going to be just the big dick of the week. Um, you know, we're not talking about big dick as in large penis size. We're talking about like actual dickheads. And this award is going to go to the NCAA. Believe it or not, the NCAA sucks, and they are run by a bunch of assholes. And why are they the worst this time? Well, because they are now forcing Dehoka Nanakoke to ditch his box bucket and rock a crusty-ass CPXR with the Albany Great Danes. We uh, we put out a picture on Twitter, and it is just, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. You see the NCAA crack down on some of these coaches for recruiting violations. Uh, you We need to crack down on them. You, you can't have Tahoka come in with a cascade. He, the, kid was, the kid came out of the womb with a box helmet on. Yeah, I mean... This is they the NCAA has so many other issues that they should be looking for right now. I don't care if it's a you know if it's for safety purposes. I don't care if there's a rule saying that you know every guy has to be wearing the same bucket on the team. Dehoka Nanakoke is he needs to be an exemption from pretty much any rule that the NCAA wants to throw his way because he is the most important player in college lacrosse for the next four years. I mean, he is going to be huge for this game uh, and for the NCAA to come in and just, you know, mess around with his swagger right off the bat. It's, it's disheartening and they should be ashamed of themselves. And I think that I speak for everybody here at the crease dive. When I say that we should be calling for the resignation of absolutely everybody. And now moving on to our picks of the week. Uh, real quick, Rabio, how what uh you know how how are your picks where you were playing? I'm not talking about like actual like I'm not talking about line picks. I'm not talking about gambling picks. I'm talking about like actual lacrosse picks here. Were you a uh you know were you, were you a moving pick guy? You know trying to get away with as much as you can, throwing those elbows out, or were you just a strong and sturdy, willing to take one for the boys? Yeah, you know I had a little bit of Draymond Green with uh with the elbows out, but I was also not afraid to. You know, take one for the boys. Have uh, one of those six six deep pulls. Run my ass over. Also, uh, also a big swing pick guy. You know, let let your boy get up to seven and seven and make some magic yourself, dude. I I mean, I I love what you're he- what I'm hearing right there from you. I, that just sounds like the ultimate teammate. Anybody would be lucky to have you on the squad. Uh, yeah, I, I've been real into uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of box lately. Now that I'm uh, you know, getting a little older and not exactly able to make it up and down the field as as good as I once could. 
but the box picks, man, I mean, they're, uh, you know, it gets real gritty there. So that's, uh, you know, throwing, you know, almost basically just punching dudes in the dick is really what I do in box across the set picks. And, uh, you know, it works for me so far. But as far as gambling picks go, if you were listening to last week, we had our first week of picks in the books. If you were going off of my picks, uh, let's see, I went here three, two, and one opening week, you know, not great, not terrible. If, you know, if you were going off of my picks, you're, you know, you're not broke, but you're also not rich. Uh, you know, big hitters of the week for me, uh, Duke minus five against air force and, uh, you know, Robert Morris covering five and a half against Rutgers. Uh, Robbie, you had a slightly different week of picks. Yeah. 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 Just, just, just a slight difference with your picks. I actually went Oh, four and one. So if you were following my picks last weekend, your bookie is probably coming for your knees because I could not buy a game last week. But you know what, Jordy? We are on to a new week, and and this is going to be my week. And we are going to be keeping track of all of our picks throughout the whole season. We'll have a little little competition going on and who ends up with the best picks. But right now, it's not looking pretty for your boy, Robbie O. Jordy, start us off with the picks this week. We got a nice slate ahead of us. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, we would just like to thank uh, Lax Vegas Lines on Twitter for setting these lines for everybody. Uh, Robbie O, you mentioned it last weekend. They've they've got pretty much all the top 20 games uh, with with odds on all the top 20 games each weekend. If you're interested in something, you know, that that's not on their board, uh, you know, two teams, you know, maybe fighting it out in the, you know, in the CAA or the SOCON or whatever, just feel free to DM them. They'll set the line for you. You tell your bookie, say, hey, these these fuckers know what they're talking about and then take your bookie for all he's worth. Uh, so starting off this week, we're, we're going to go ahead with uh, with some of these games that we've already previewed for you guys this week. So let's go with Maryland getting seven and a half. So Maryland minus seven and a half against Navy. And we said it earlier, but Maryland hates the troops. Uh, it's, it's a sad reality, but it's, you know, so when you have, Mar- is Maryland ISIS? Maybe that's not for me to say. But when you have a team who hates the troops that much, they're definitely not going to take their foot off the gas, especially an opening game where they're defending their national championship. So I like Maryland coming out of the gate here. They're going to win this one by nine. So they're definitely covering this seven and a half. Rabio, what do you got? Uh, despite Tillman taking a knee for the national anthem in this game, I am actually going to take Navy with uh, with the plus seven and a half. I think, yeah, Navy's Navy's coming off a big loss, and yeah, they don't have their starting Fogo, but you know, I think Maryland's going to have some first game jitters. This is these are two teams that are very comfortable with each other. Despite you can't lose seven in a row. I, I got, I got, yeah, yeah, they might lose, but I'm going to take that seven and a half for me. Seven and a half, Navy. Robbie O confirmed lover of the troops moving on. We've got Ohio state minus three and a half against BU BU coming off of that overtime win over Providence, Ohio state coming off of a win over they've, they got themselves a win over Cleveland state, but they failed to cover the eight and a half spread. So what do you got on Ohio state BU? 
I love Ohio State. I think they're gonna they're they're my top they're one of my top teams this year, man. I, I got Ohio State minus three and a half over BU. BU didn't impress me too much. They had a nice I'm also pretty pissed because that was my mortal lock of the week and it was a push, but I don't know. BU didn't really impress me against against a Providence team. Uh, you know, they came back and forced overtime and scored, but I think oh, oh, yeah, Ohio State just absolutely manhandles them. They're they're too physical for this BU team. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you on BU being. I, I I think that BU is a team that the media pumps up their tires a little bit. Um, you know, maybe BU can use this one as locker room motivation, but I I think that BU just being a new team. Uh, you know, they're kind of darlings in the media's eyes. So they're, they're always trying to force BU into the top 20, even though I'm not necessarily sure if they should be there or not. So I, I do think that Ohio state, they're just, they're, they're just, you know, a better team. They've been to the final four. They've got, you know, just lights out shooters. They've got defenders who are just going to bully BU's attackmen. So three and a half is, uh, is, is definitely going to be cake for them. So we're uh, we're riding together on the Buckeyes. Uh, moving on, let's uh, let let's talk about a, a squad that uh, that you've that you've been with before. Let's talk Army getting th- minus three and a half against UMass. Well, these are these are two teams that have UMass circles Army every year, and I'm sure it's vice versa. Both are super blue collar, very gritty. It's gonna be a real real physical game. Um, this one, this one is, is, is going to be up for grabs. I'm not too sure how UMass is looking this year. Like I know, I know they weren't a top 20 team, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm going to lean UMass here. I'm going to, I'm going to go UMass. Okay. Uh, so I've already taken Maryland minus seven and a half against Navy. So I, I can't be a double hater of the troops here. So I do have to ride with Army here. Um, so I and again though, Army is a team that just I mean, do we know where this game where this game is at this weekend? This looks like it is going to be at. I'm actually gonna look that up because if it is at UMass, that's that a pretty tough place to play. I'm pretty sure this is at West Point. Either way, I I'd actually say it'd be worse for UMass if the game was at UMass because Army is one of those teams where I just I don't want to see those guys coming off of the team bus. I mean, they're just going to be so intimidating. They always look so badass on the field. Uh, you know, Warrior does those uniforms right, or you know, at least the buckets right for Army every year. So uh, Army's a team that they're just going to keep shooting the shit out of the ball. So I do like Army. I've been riding with a lot of favorites so far this week. It seems like so. Uh, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let let's talk about one that's gonna be a little fifty fifty here up in the air. Let's move on to that Loyola Virginia game right now. The line is Loyola minus one over the Wahoos. Uh, just so real quick, uh, the game will be played at Army, but I'm still sticking with the boys at UMass. Um, but no, Army's going to be – they're going to look scary as shit day one. I'll promise you that. Loyola, Virginia. I, I got Loyola. Yeah, I mean, I uh, – damn, you know what? 
while we were first talking about this, I I was real big on Loyola, and I hate to kind of contradict myself here, but that's what's going to happen when we're doing these podcasts live. I mean, I, you've got my brain working. you got the gears working here. And as soon as I started thinking about Lars Tiffany coming in here with his second year of, with this team, I'm actually going to go right back to Virginia winning this game again over Loyola to open up the season. So Loyola wow. plus one outright. Uh, I mean, I guess they have to be outright to win that game, but still, yeah, the, the gears in my brain for better or worse, were turning on this one and I have flipped my script from the earlier preview and I'm now going Virginia plus one against the Greyhounds. Uh, so you can just feel free to erase that part of your brain where you listen to me talk up Loyola beating the shit out of Virginia earlier. Nothing wrong with a little change of pace. Um, moving on to which I think I know. No, so like I would say Loyola Virginia is my top game to watch, but it's also fighting with the spot of Hopkins Towson. Every year these two teams play each other. I I fucking love it. They they they, they can't stand each other. They they hate each other. They go to the same college bars. Uh, some of the kids at Hopkins. Uh, or some of the kids that are at Towson got overlooked by Petro at Hopkins. Like, th- there's a ton of bad blood here. You got seems Hopkins is favored one and a half. Who who do you have? I want nothing more than for this game to one get a little chippy out there, uh, and two to head into overtime. So I'm uh, I'm still big on Hopkins. I think that they come out of this one with the win, but I think. I, we could see an overtime win here for the Blue Jays, which will have Towson covering that one and a half. So I'm uh, I'm riding Towson plus one and a half, but I'm on the uh, on the Hopkins money line. Ooh, I like, I like that. I mean, parlayed a little bit. Tell your bookie, fuck your bookie. <laughs> fuck your bookie. Uh, I am actually going to – fuck your bookie. I'm going with you. I'm taking Towson. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm rooting for a great game. This is going to be an awesome weekend for College Across Georgia. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, uh, actually, one uh, one last line here that uh, that we you know we kind of discussed earlier in the show. Um, we just have to get to the fattest line on the book here this weekend, real quick. Do you think that Denver handles that nine that they're getting favored over Air Force? Oh, that is that is a lot of goals. Nine nine is a lot of goals. I I I don't know if we'll see another nine for the rest of the season i mean that is just such uh the money the money line is plus a thousand for air force i'm going i'm going denver minus nine i i i don't see this one being close yeah i think as long as denver scores nine times that'll get them that'll get them the that'll get them the the cover because air force just won't be able to get the ball back the picks are in except for Let's uh let let's put it all on the line here. Mortal lock of the week. This is this is the big one here. Rabio, what is your lock of the week? Throw away the key. My lock of the week, and we are chucking out the key. It is a game that we haven't talked about. It is North Carolina versus Furman. Furman's getting eight and a half. I got Furman. I do, I, if I were to short one team this year, it's going to be UNC. If, if you give me Furman eight and a half on over like any teams in the country, I'm probably going to take that. Could be a sucker bet, 
But Furman plus eight and a half will be my mortal lock of the weekend. How about yourself? So I am going to go with, first off, I, I do. I do enjoy that pick. Shout out to, uh, you know, a little SoCon love after getting after getting uh, down earlier in the in the first weekend of the season. My mortal lock of the pit uh, of the week, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to, I'm riding with Duke again. I mean, they, they got me, you know, they got me going last week and five and a half first Jacksonville. When you've got a kid like Justin Gutterding, who's going to put up, you know, eight to 10 on his own. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, that's that's got to be the one right there. I would keep riding with Duke for as long as Gunnarding stays healthy. Uh, so my mortal lock of the week, Duke minus five and a half versus Jacksonville. Love it. Love it. Hopefully I can make a comeback from last weekend. Hey, started in a slump, but hey, it's just a loan. So we'll get it back. New week. Yeah, and uh, I'll actually be in Vegas this weekend, so I'll uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll see if I can start talking to some people in Vegas to make sure that we start getting lacrosse on some actual online books and get some lacrosse action going on in Vegas. So uh, it should be a good weekend for for myself. Should be a great weekend for college lacrosse. Should be a great weekend for everybody who is not a baseball player. So. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Crease Dive presented by Barstool Sports. Hey, we love you guys listening. Make sure that you uh, make sure you guys hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter, on Instagram. Hit us up on all social channels. Let us know what you want to hear from the show. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know any questions that you want to hear answered on future episodes. Uh, you know, we're, we're still pretty new to this, still trying to figure it out a little bit. So, you know, we, uh, you know, we're talking about the shit that we, you know, think that you guys want to hear about, but it'd be better to hear it from you guys, you know, what you actually want to hear, what guests you want us to bring on. They're coming, by the way, you know, the guests will be here eventually. We're still just, you know, kind of getting used to all this. So thanks to everybody for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at the crease dive. Let us know. Robbie, you got anything else to take us out here with? No, you said it all. Let's have a great weekend, boys. Let's it is a great weekend to have a weekend. Low to high to the day we die. Peace out, boys. One, two, three,